Well, good morning, Open Door. It is Caleb Lynch back with you. And uh, again, favorite day of the week. It's Sunday. I do miss you guys, but the anticipation of getting to see you soon, um, I am eager and excited. And uh, I will be thankful to not be staring at a camera as I preach a message, but staring at faces. So um, love you guys. We miss you. I hope some of those announcements of some future dates are encouraging you and you're just as excited as we are. We are pumped to start moving again a little bit. Um, obviously still being careful, but we are excited to get this thing moving again. So, hey, um, we are in our last week of, of our Stuck series. We, we're, this is our fourth week. Uh, if you haven't had a chance, go back and listen to the previous weeks. There's some really beautiful thoughts in there, and I think it's really important for the time that we're in, uh, the conversation of what it looks like to be stuck. We've dealt with uh, stuck in our past, um, being stuck with the, the future of not knowing what to do in prayer. We've talked about being stuck in the middle. Um, today, we're going we're gonna to finish with stuck in our present, stuck in the now. Um, what, what does that look like? For many of us, that's, that's the one that might, might even be the most relevant to our situation. We feel stuck currently, right now, in this moment. Um, and so I'm excited for what the Lord has for us. Um, I've, been, I've been spending a lot of time praying over this one and uh, I really feel that uh, there's a lot in it that, that uh, has potential to bless our hearts and to remind us of truth. So let me pray for us, and then we'll jump right into it. Lord, we thank you for another day to get to do this, to get to declare truth of who you are, to get to declare um, what you say about us that is true, to de- get to declare um, where our hope is found, And Lord, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. And we thank you for your new life that flows through us with your spirit. We give you this day. We give you this time. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I almost titled this, Why I Think You're Stuck. Why I Think You're Stuck. Uh, But I actually maybe don't know fully why I think you're stuck. I have some ideas. And maybe not even all of you are stuck. One time... I was told Caleb quit preaching to all the, 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 the minority, uh, minority is not the word, oops, that's, that's a buzzword right now. No, quit preaching to just a specific group of people, teach a broader message. And I think this message is for all of us. Um, I don't know how stuck all of you feel. I know that there have been times during this COVID that, um, that I have felt stuck, and, I, and I've addressed some of those and some of these, but I think today... Is, is maybe more of an umbrella-type conversation. So I don't know how it'll hit you or how it'll come at you, but I think there's some real truth, some real hope in it, um, and maybe even some real freedom um, from, from what, you're, what you're experiencing. So here we go. Um, I don't know about you, I remember at an early age becoming fully aware that I had a severe case of claustrophobia. Any of you guys have that? I'm part of that club. I was at a sleepover one night with some friends. I was probably eight or ten years old, and we did a dog pile, and there was pillows and blankets, and I was stuck at the bottom, and I literally was throwing punches, and I got out of there, and my heart was racing, and I realized, oh, I I don't like that feeling of being trapped or being stuck. And so um, this is a a real conversation, um, but I know for many of us that that feeling of being trapped, that feeling of ah, I can't get out of the situation that I am in, uh, is one of the scariest feelings in life. And I I think 
that this time has created a little bit of that. Um, I think some of the political climate has created a little bit of that. I think some of the loss of jobs or the fear of loss of jobs or the literal being positioned at home with stay-at-home orders, I think, I think it is breathing a little bit of that feeling of, of being trapped, that feeling I feel when I feel like I need to start punching to get my way out of being trapped. I can remember having a job um, where the income was an income that satisfied the mortgage and the bills and the putting food on a table, and uh, we had purchased a house that was maybe a little bit more than we could afford, and I knew I was trapped in this job in some ways, even though I wasn't enjoying it like I had early on, but I didn't know what to do. One of the most terrible feelings of, I can't leave because I won't be able to pay the bills, but I really don't want to maintain in this job. So I know those feelings. Oftentimes, my, uh, my wife is the brunt of the jokes. You guys know that, and I've apologized to her many times for that. But one of the things I want you to know that drew me into my wife and drew me towards her, the thing that maybe I was most attracted to in some ways, besides the fact that she's beautiful, um, was this, this uh, natural calling that she has on her life, this, this desire, I believe, from God to have her life matter, to give her life away for those around her. And one of the things that is true of my wife is that that repetitive, groundhog, repetitive way of life that sometimes can feel meaningless drives her crazy. She, she wants to be able to give her life away. She wants to be able to bless. She wants to be able to do something that would be significant and have meaning and have purpose and serve the Lord. And it's one of the greatest things about her. And so I would say this to you. I, I'm not so much talking about that position of being stuck. If God is calling you into something, go. Listen, be courageous and choose to step out in faith towards something that is beautiful. I'm, I might be talking about something a little different. Um, data right now is starting to come out about what this COVID time, what this coronavirus time has done to humanity. And the numbers that are coming out, all of them are a little bit different, but they are consistent in that there is another pandemic that is happening. And it is not one that is, being, uh, that is a virus, but it is a pandemic in some ways of the heart. Some ways it is a pandemic of our emotional state of being. I want to share some of these data, and I'm going to give you, uh, I'm kind of rounding to a number because I found a bunch of different data, but, but all of it was very similar, and so I want to give this to you. Listen to this stat, depression. You guys know what depression is. Um, data is coming out that during these last five months, depression has risen by 30%. People claiming to be depressed has risen by 30%. Now, that's a staggering number. Here's what makes it even more staggering. Prior to this, one in three people in the United States claimed to have severe depression, and that has gone up by 30% in five months. Anxiety. They're tracking that fear, anxiety, 
has had about a 40% increase for some valid reasons, right? 40% increase of people claiming they're having anxiety or severe fear. Substance abuse, listen to this one. Substance abuse has a 63% increase in Americans saying that their consumption has increased. 63% of Americans are saying, yeah, I am consuming a lot more of drugs or alcohol to numb the situation. 63% increase. That's an astounding number when you consider that the virus that we are all fighting against, based off of the tests that have gone out there, um, has, has affected or has caused 1% of America to have the virus. Now, we know that not all the data is exact and that some have the virus and have not been tested. They think maybe it's closer to 5%. We don't really know. There's really no way to know. But this reality that some of this data is affecting lives much more rampantly than the virus we're all fighting is. I don't say this to minimize COVID. I don't say this to minimize the pain that many of us are experiencing through it. Simply to say that there is also a work at hand amongst us. Domestic abuse is up by 25%. The search, the Google search for divorce lawyer or how to get a divorce or something in line with the words divorce is up by 32% this year compared to last year. Actually, last year, it was down 6% from the year before. So in some ways, we're up 40%. Astounding. Loneliness is at its peak in history. We are the loneliest we have ever been in the history of humanity. Stress levels are up high. Um, we are fighting a different pandemic at the same time as the pandemic we are actually experiencing. It's astounding. I, 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 um, breaks my heart. I want to I say this, and I just want to pause for a second before we get into to some of the meat of, of some thoughts I have. If you are struggling with any of those things, um, would, would you contact us? We, we believe that those are severe, and we believe that there is hope to be found in the name of Jesus for, for all of those. And uh, we, we'd love to step in and be a part of your story and your journey with you. So if, if any of those are affecting you, if you're having any kind of suicidal thoughts, if you are having any kind of depression or anxiety or fear that is, that is really gripping you and you feel trapped in that, um, please reach out to us. One of the easiest ways to get through to us is our COVID-19 help at odfchurch.org. It's COVID-19 help at odfchurch.org. You can, you can write into that, and we will be there immediately uh, to respond and step in and be a part of your journey. So what's going on? Well, I think we're stuck. I think that the system, the leaders, the identities, the people, the organizations that we have put our hope in are, are maybe in some ways crumbling a bit. And, and I, I have good news for you. I think there's one. His name's Jesus, and I think he has some hope for us in this time. I think he has some solutions for us in this time, and I think they're found in him. I love the Apostle Paul, in, in Romans 7, 24, he says, Who will free me 
And then he says, praise be to God. Praise be to God. I believe we're having what I would call an identity crisis. We have forgotten where our hope, our security, our identity, our fulfillment, our joy is grounded, and I can be a part of that club oftentimes, sometimes as well. Can I read you a prayer that, uh, that Paul gives, the Apostle Paul, as he writes a letter to the church at Ephesus? This prayer is um, maybe my prayer for us as well. He, he would say it maybe better than I say it, but he, here's the prayer. This is Ephesians 3. 14 through 21. For this reason, I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in his love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the strengths what is the breath and length, and height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we could ever ask or think. Do you believe that? That he is able to do more than we could ever ask or think. According to the power that is at work within us, do you believe that? Do you believe that there is a spirit of power that indwells you? To him be the glory in the church and to Christ through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Look at me real quick. I want to say something to you. If you are in Christ, you are, um, you are more than your income. For many of us, we... We chased a financial ladder, and then one day it said, um, you have to go get unemployment during this time. It's like the, the thing I was working towards just all of a sudden bottomed out below me. You're, you're more than your income in Christ. You are, um, you're more than your, your body shape. I... I uh, I find one of, the, one of the things that is creating a stuckness within us is, um, is how we look. Isn't that crazy? You turn the TV on, you turn ads on, you go through Instagram, and uh, very quickly you realize that we are stuck on body image. You're more than that. I want to tell you that. You're more than your popularity. You're more than your athletic ability. You're more than your marriage. What? Yeah. There is life in Christ that has more fulfillment than what a spouse could bring to you. As great of a gift as marriage is for your life, there is more fullness of life found in a person named Jesus Christ. I, I believe that. You're more than your job or lack of job, you're more than your kids' success and failures. I need to hear that one. You're more than the clothing you wear. You're more than the restaurants you can afford. You are more than the vacations you can take. You are more than the shade of green or lack of shade of green of your front yard. <laughs> that one was for me. You are more than how you decorate your house. You are more than your political alliance. 
I wonder if anyone needs to hear that. Vote what your heart tells you, but stop fighting with everyone around you that does not agree with you. There's, there's one that sits on the throne and he ain't going nowhere. There is more life to be found in the name of Jesus than which political party you fight hard enough for. I, I can just promise you that. One of the ones that, that I'll tell you is you're, you're more than your sexuality. I, I believe that um, many of us define ourselves by our sexuality. And I, I know we have all differing views on sexuality, but I just tell you, in Christ Jesus, there is an identity that is more than your sexual identity. I, I just believe that. Can I tell you that um, some of the things that might be true about you that can be found in the name of Jesus Christ for those that are in Christ is that you are a child of a king, you are you have the healing power of Christ that illuminates your soul, you are loved, you are known, you are delighted in by your creator, you have a hope, you have a future in his name. I think, I think we're stuck because we've forgotten where our hope and our identity and our future lies. There is one, his name is Jesus, that has given us a new name, a new family, a new life, and a new future. And it is a gift of God. So that no one can boast, it is a gift from God, a freedom that is found in his name, that we would not have to be identified by that list previously. And, and, and it costed him everything. It wasn't just a snap of a finger, it costed him everything. Remember when, when Jesus was on the cross, he, he, he cried out, he literally cried these words out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Isn't this crazy to think about? Like Jesus is going along and you, and you don't ever really hear this desperate cry for help. This, this why question, you don't, you don't hear a ton of it from Jesus throughout his time, right? Why, God? Why would you do it this way? You don't hear Jesus crying out to the Father in this way. But in the moment when Jesus took on my sin, your sin, my junk, your junk, my past, your past, my future junk, your future junk, when he took all of that on himself, was the moment when he said, I, I need you. Where, where'd you go? He became our substitute so that we would never have to substitute anything else for him. He's, he's enough. Do you, know, do you know that? He, he is enough. He's, he's enough for you right now. M many things have been taken from you. Many things have caused you to feel stuck where you don't know where else to run. Many things have pushed you from side to side. Many things have stolen your joy, your hope, Many things have stopped you from dreaming about what would be next. 
And I want you to know, I believe this with everything in me. I believe he's enough. I believe he's enough. Remember Paul, he's, he's, um, so he's visiting this church in Corinth and they're a mess. Like they're really kind of gross in some ways. They're, they're kind of a mess. And, and then he, later on, he writes him a letter. Do you remember the statement he uses? I think it's one of the most profound statements in all of Scripture. He, this is in 1 Corinthians 2.2, 2, and he says, For I decided to know nothing amongst you except for Jesus Christ and Him crucified. When I showed up to be with you, I came, and, and I didn't really care about anything else that was happening. All I wanted to know was were you putting your hope and trust, were you resting in the completed work of Jesus Christ and Him crucified? Was, was that the sustaining power of your life? Isn't that a beautiful thought? He's like, look, I, I came and I could, I could literally care less about anything else other than are you rooted and grounded in the love and the reality that Jesus paid it all on a cross for you? Are you resting in that? Are you moving out in that? Are your days dictated and shaped by that? That's all I cared to know when I showed up. He'll go on to tell them that they're kind of a mess, but that was what his purpose was, was knowing that. You remember the story of Daniel? You know him from like Daniel in the lion's den. You remember remember that guy? Do you remember the story? So he's he's actually, when when he's been taken, he's been captured by a group of people, and he's now living amongst them. And this was the reality for Daniel's life. They, uh, they took everything from him. They took his identity. They took his status. They took his language. They made him learn their language. They made him eat his, their food. Um, he was actually a part of a group of eunuchs, which means they took his sexuality. They took everything from him. But do you remember... What happened? They tried to take one other thing from him. And he said, no way, Jose. You you can have all the rest, but you can't have this one thing. Because in this one thing is where I find fulfillment. In this one thing is where I find fullness of life and hope and my future and my security. He said, you can't have my God can't take that away from me. They wanted him to pray at a certain time of day to a certain different God, and he goes, no, 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 no. Take the rest. You can't have this. I gotta have this. And they go, okay, well, if, if, if you gotta have that, then you know what? You're not obeying the rules, and we gotta do something about it, and so we're gonna throw you in this lion's Then He goes, do what you're gonna do, but you can't take that one from me. That's where my hope lies. I wonder if Daniel and Paul would kind of be speaking the same language. Remember Paul the Apostle, we just read about this in Philippians. He says, look, I count all of it as rubbish compared to being found in Jesus Christ. Take it all. Take take it all. Ain't none of that going to define me. I am going to be defined and put my hope in and trust in the reality of Jesus Christ alone. Those men were unstuck. Those men were free. Didn't matter what came 
their direction, whether imprisonment or lion's dens. It didn't matter. They're like, have it. I know where life is found. I know where hope is found. I know where peace is found. I know where joy is found. Do you, do, do you realize how incredible of a gift that is? So Jesus Christ, he dies on the cross, right? He, he pays for our sins so that we can have eternity in heaven. So he, he puts an inheritance for us in heaven because of his work. So we don't even get to have any influence on our future other than trusting in Jesus, right? He's going, I've already, I've already stashed your inheritance away. And also what he does is he invites us into his family, right? He says, look, now that I've done this, you are my child. He calls us kids, Right? Like he's invited us into his family. I can remember uh, the day I married Kaylee, my wife. And I can remember at our wedding, Tom Kuyper, her dad, um, handed her over to me and said, take care of her. But he also did this cool thing. He invited me into his family. I I'm still a lynch, but in a lot of ways, I have so much Kuyper. And hopefully someday he's got an inheritance for me too. I, I, that part we haven't really discussed yet. But either way, he invited me into his family that day. And now I carry with me the strength of the Kuiper name, the Kuiper family, as well as the Lynch name. It's a beautiful thing when you get grafted in, adopted into the family. But, but listen, listen to this reality. Listen to what God did through Jesus Christ that takes it a step further. Not only did he prepare you a future, not only did he adopt you in to his family, he said, I'm going to give you myself. I'm going to actually give you my spirit as a gift. Like the core of who you are will be defined by me. Can you imagine if Tom Kuyper would have given me that? I'd be able to dunk for the first time. Beautiful. He says, I'm not just preparing a future for you. I'm not just including you in on the family. I'm actually giving you myself. The, the, the gift in that, right, is that now, because I am found in him, because I am defined by him, because I am adopted into his family, because no longer do my wounds and my past and my mistakes define me, I am defined by his wounds, which set me free. There's freedom in that, right? There's, there's rest in that. It's beautiful. Galatians 3.26 says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons and daughters of God through faith. Galatians 4.6, he moves on a little further and he says, And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Come what may, I'm going to be okay. So much has been taken from you during this time. So much has failed you, but there is one who will never fail you or forsake you, for he has already fulfilled you because he has given you himself. 
Can I read that again? There is one who will never fail you or forsake you. For he has already fulfilled you because he has given you himself. Remember Solomon? He was the the wisest man in the world. According to Scripture, he had everything. Remember in Ecclesiastes, he says, look, I've kind of tried it all. I've gone after it all. I've tried to be, be fulfilled and have meaning and purpose and identity and hope and excitement and joy. I've tried it all. Like I had all the money and I tried it all. And can I tell you what it was similar to? Remember what he says? He says, it was similar to trying to catch the wind, (laughs) to trying to clutch the wind. Like that's how much fulfillment it brought. Was similar to me chasing after and trying to wrangle up the wind. We get stuck because we're constantly chasing after the wind instead of resting in the one who controls the wind. So what does this boil down to then? Caleb, what are you getting at? Will you trust him with your now? Him, I mean mean Jesus, I mean God. Will, Will you trust him? with right now. And you go, come on, not the whole trust game again. Isn't that just a passive way of like, I'm okay, everything's good. No, it is the, like the least passive thing you could do. It is one of the most difficult things that you could spend the rest of your days doing, and yet it will bring the most fulfillment that you could ever imagine. Remember what that Ephesians verse said, the abundance that would come through trusting? I'm telling you right now, when you get lonely, God, will you fulfill me? When you're afraid, God, will you take my anxiety? Listen to what Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. That's that's no easy task, my friends. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. That means taking your entire heart, 100% of it, and not putting that trust in some system or some politician or some other thing, taking all of it and trusting in the Lord. That's not passive, my friends. That's good, old-fashioned hard work. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't don't lean on your own understandings. It's not always going to make perfect sense, but you're going to find, look what it says, In all your ways, acknowledge him that he's the one you're putting your trust in. What does it say? He says it's going to make your path straight. That's pretty incredible, that reality. Put all of your trust in the Lord. You're going to be okay. He's going to take you down the road that he has designed for you. Might not look like the path you thought, but in his eyes, it is a straight path. The path might look like this to you, In God's eyes, he has a start and a finish for you. And at that finish line, remember, we fix our eyes on him who is the author and the finisher of our faith. It's beautiful. Can I read that verse in Ephesians again for you? Because this is my prayer. For this reason I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Do you believe that? 
Do you believe like he's that sovereign and he's that big that every single person is under his watch and has been named by him? That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you strength. Anyone need strength right now? With power through his spirit in your inner being. Where's the strength coming from? Right in here. That spirit of God that indwells you. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that is being rooted and grounded in love. Do you believe he loves you? Do you believe that he's not punishing you? Do you believe that he has a plan for you? Do you believe that strength comes out of the reality that you know that the God who is in charge of everything actually cares for you and loves you? That'll get you unstuck. May have strength to comprehend with all the, st- all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I know right now it feels like things are being pulled away from you. There is a fullness that comes from Jesus Christ. It just, it just says it too many times for it not to be true. <laughs> now, to him who is able to do more far abundantly than all we could ask or think according to the power that is at work within us, to him be the glory, the church and Jesus Christ through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Do you know, um, that verse is, is a big deal to us at this church, and it's one of the reasons we put it up on our wall. You know that? That, that Ephesians 1 and, and some parts of this, the, the concepts that are in that verse is what we have posted on our wall. That, the, the, the part of it is in Ephesians 1, but he kind of repeats it here in this prayer. And we believe, you guys, that he is in charge, that he is on the throne, that there is power found in his name, that there is freedom from our past because of him, that there is hope for our future because of him, and that there is fullness of life to be had in this very moment because of him. We believe that to be true. We believe that his spirit indwells us, that it breathes life into our bones, that there is strength and power because of him. And we believe all of that took place one day on a cross back about 2,000 years ago. That Jesus said, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to take on the, the, the penalty that all of humanity should have experienced so that they could have what we just described. So that human beings, the ones that turned their back on God, could experience fullness of life and fullness of future. We believe that took place. And so if you've ever joined us on a Sunday morning, one of the things you know that we do is we take communion together. And communion is um, literally, uh, we take juice and we take bread. And the juice represents the blood of Jesus that was spilled that day on the cross for us. That payment, we believe that in the blood is where the payment is. That's what we see set up from God from the beginning of creation all the way until now. That there was that, 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 that payment had to be done in blood. We think that happened there. We believe that happened. And, and the body broken of Jesus Christ is the bread. So the blood and the bread, and, that's, and we just do juice and bread, and, and that's how we do it. And we just do it in this way. We do it in remembrance. We do it in celebration. We do it in conviction that it stuck, that it worked, that there was power in it. And we go out, we move out, we finish our service with that so that we can move out into our week with the strength and the power and the reality of what took place that day. We move out in it. And so I'm going to pray for it. Whoever you're with right now, 
please, please take communion together. Find something to take. If you don't have bread and juice, find something else. But take it together with us. We're all doing it right now together, and we would love that. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that there is fullness of life to be found in your name right now. In this very moment, in the middle of us being stuck and confused and scared and depressed and lonely, we believe there's hope in your name, Lord. We believe you have something for us. We believe that because there is air still left in our lungs that you are not done with us. And so, Lord, we move out in confidence. We declare we are being unstuck by your kindness and your love towards us and the Spirit of God within us that produces power and strength and peace. We love you, Lord. We take this communion in remembrance of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We believe you are enough. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. I hope you have a blessed rest of your day. I hope you enjoy the worship, and we will see you real soon.